0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Am I Trippin'? The Bubble Version. I'm so happy to say that. Uh, for anybody that's been listening to me for the last couple of months, you know I've been real quick to say I didn't think there was no sports that was coming back. They had me paranoid and scared. I ain't gonna lie. But, man, it, looks, it feels so good for these young brothers to come back uh, and play ball. And be so committed to their craft, man. What I don't think a lot of people is peeping, man, is these young cats are millionaires. These these young cats with million with a millionaires ticket, man. They got a real life meal ticket running around, man. And uh, for them to you know to put all that shit to the side, to be uh, professional, and come out and finish the season uh, the way they've been playing, I mean. I'm quite sure some people probably don't really want to be there or whatever and shit, but you can't tell by the effort that everybody's been giving, man. I mean, I've seen some, real, I've seen some good shit in the bubble so far, man. And I, we're going to talk about some of the things I've seen in the bubble, man. But just in general, man, I am so glad that I, uh, Adam S- uh, Silver... And uh Michelle Roberts, Chris Paul, and and everybody got together, man, and got this shit back on the road for us, man. We needed it. We needed it so bad, now we got it. Now I've been hearing some crazy talk where they was talking about, well the ratings ain't the same, the ratings ain't the same. Well guess what? The ratings wasn't gonna be the same. And anybody that's tripping off of that, y'all you just low key sitting trying to sit on basketball, period anybody knows that if you're playing basketball, you know what I'm saying, at the e- the end of May going into June, you got a better chance for people to sit at home and watch your product over the last 4 month of summer. The last 4 month of summer is August. They started this shit 2 weeks ago. I mean I mean 3 weeks ago or whatever. So I mean it was going to be like this. You know, it was going to be just like this, man. And I just don't understand why you don't understand that it is not hard to believe that guys don't want to sit in their house or ladies don't want to sit in their house and watch an NBA game in August, the last month of summer. You know, what you think? I mean, a lot of the NBA's popularity... To me, it's always been formulated with the fact that people don't do as much in the months that the NBA starts. So you don't. Want, I mean, you get the NBA is usually catching football right when it's you know midway, you know, uh, through this season, and then after the, the football season uh, usually concludes, especially college football season concludes, you see a uptick in you know what's going on in the NBA, and <clears throat> then from december january February, March, those are the four months those are your four key months in the n b a right there. then you got April you know your baseball fans starting to get ready for the baseball season, you know what I'm saying, May, all the talk about the football, you know what I'm saying, and the drafts and all that shit kicking gear and everything and then by June, basketball's finishing now, and it's leading you back into college football. And to a lot of talks of the pro football game, plus baseball and full stride by now. So that's been our always. That's been our regular order for our sports. So to think that the basketball uh, ratings are are down because people not you know really messing with basketball or <clears throat> not feeling basketball. I think they. I think you tripping with that. I just think that the fact that it's in the heart of the summer. And it ain't never really been done like that. You ain't never really had guys really have to condition themselves in August to sit down and watch a game at night. So, like I said, the name of the podcast is at my trip, and so maybe you might think I'm tripping on that. But I just don't think that the viewership is down because of anything, anything more than the fact that it's the summer and the average Joe that's been keeping up with the NBA season or whatever is just not used to watching basketball in August. I mean, the diehards do. I mean, we do. But, I mean, it ain't saying that it's not I. It's still not saying that it ain't. don't feel different. So, that's my little rant on that little shit. Now, uh, since the bubble been going down... I've seen I've seen five teams, man, that really, really, really bothered me, man. And I'm going to tell you why th- these five teams bothered me. Because their performance in the bubble, man, was almost lifeless. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, you probably what everybody wasn't going to do like Phoenix did, just run straight through with 8-0. So, I mean, I understand that, but... Just your effort, the effort that we see being displayed by your your top-tier talented guys all the way down to your bench guys. A lot of times, the hungriest people you of seen, especially on some of these teams we about to talk about, some of the hungriest guys were the guys from the G League, man. Guys, those were the guys that you seen, like, man, really was out there like, shit, I'm starving. I'm trying to goddamn, you know, make, make this the way that I, I'm able to eat. And then you had a lot of guys that just was like, shit, man, I'm already eating. Fuck it. I'm just here, like my man Marshawn say, I'm just here to collect it. I'm just here so I don't get fined, boss. So it was one of those old type of moments and shit. Well, anyway, the first team was Philly. Now, I, I think Philly pretty much fucked this up when they brought back Brett Brown this year. I think they pretty much fucked it up there. But then you get rid of T.J. McConnell, you get rid of J.J. Reddick, and you get rid of Jimmy. If you was going to do all of that, to me, if I'm thinking back as a coach, if I'm in that position that Brett Brown is, I'm thinking, okay, I'm getting rid of a playmaker, my shooter, and my motherfucking heart and soul of my team. What what would our identity be? What would our identity be if we losing our best shooters, our backup playmaker, and our motherfucking, you know what I'm saying, Alpha Dog and Jimmy Butler? So I just felt like if you were, able to, were going to make all those moves, I just didn't think that you could bring Brett Brown back. I think once you, when you had committed to making those moves, to me it's, it was time for a different vision for that team. Well, they came back pretty much with the same vision, just believing that, you know, we got guys that have been historically known for being good defenders. So what we're going to do is we're going to take Josh Richardson from the heat. We're going to blend him in with Al Horford and a couple other uh, parts, and we're just going to become a better defensive team. If they stick to that, if that's their identity, I believe Philly's one of the best teams in the East, if not the beast in the East. But they never stuck to that identity. I've never really seen that identity fully, you know, bloom into this is what we are. And right now, man, when you're looking at this Philly team, it's sad, man, for as much talent as they got, even without Ben, because right now they're playing in the bubble without Ben, but even without Ben, man, it still, it still should be a lot more, it it shouldn't be this, it shouldn't be this at all, man, where you pretty much looking at this, at at the Sixers as, y'all just been a big waste all year, why had the Sixers been a big waste all year, and for as much, you know, uh, Every, for as much uh, hate that uh, Brett Brown going to catch and a lot of, you know what I'm saying, you know, get him the fuck up out of town, talk that he going to catch, I got to look at my fun Elton Brand. Got to look at Elton Brand. And I'm going to tell you the, morning, the main reasons why I got to look at Elton Brand. This is because you got rid of JaVale, uh, uh, Okafor, you got rid of Michael Carter-Williams, you got rid of the boy Markel Folks. Any of those three guys right now could have kept you from having to overspend for Al. Overspend. Uh, one of those two guys could have, you know, helped you offset the fact that Ben Simmons is not a good shooter. If anybody been paying attention, the boy Markel Folks been having, he, he he showed everybody that he he was able to, you know, shake the yips last year. This year the kid been solid all year, and he got that real big body and and he's a natural lead guard. And he's not afraid to shoot. Now, don't get me wrong, him and Ben probably still would have been the worst shooting backcourt, but they would have been able to supplement that by their best defensive backcourt, cause. To me, by far, being one of the top five guys in all the NBA and playing defense, being Simmons is no doubt about that. You can play him one through five legitimately. Legitly play him one through five, and when he's playing on the motherfucking point guards, you don't see guards running the ball right down the, down Philly's throat. You know, with the ball at the front coming from the top, they they ain't getting dominated by point guards. Right now, they're getting dominated by point guards. Point guards are facing them, And I believe, truly, that's a, you know, a thing of missing being. And another thing, the Markel false kid, he competes. I've seen this kid, man. This kid literally competes, man. He competing his ass off right now against the Milwaukee Bucks. And if you look at that Miami, uh, I mean, Orlando Magic's team, it ain't nothing special about that team, Period. But I will say that for everybody that, you know, threw their Marquel folks tickets away too soon, I think you might want to go find that motherfucker because dude look like he going to be all right. <laughs> and if you asking me right now, I'm taking him over Alonzo Ball right now. Right now, Alonzo looked so bad in the bubble. That's another team that we're going to talk about. My second team that was super foul in the bubble was the Pelicans. Man, they looked at foul in the bubble, and they got J.J. Redick, and he was balling. Dude was balling in the bubble. He, gave, he, he did for them what they brought him down there to do, knock down shots. Dude was knocking down shots, able to stretch the defense, allowing those youngsters a lot more space to be creative and get their shots off, especially Brandon Ingram. That team has no commitment to nothing, though, besides just running and gunning. That's the only thing you see that they truly committed to do. The thing that they're going to do every single time everybody seems like they come on the court, they're looking to run and gun. That team is, I mean, I like Alvin Gentry. Alvin Gentry been over there fucking with Dan Tony too much, too long, though. He was fucking with Dan Tony when Dan Tony had that first good Phoenix team. (laughs) Alvin Gentry was on the bench, and you know, for a lot, I mean, Alvin Gentry's a good coach, man. I really don't want to, you know, sound like I'm about to start shitting on Alvin uh, Ag, but he just he couldn't get the voice, man. He couldn't get these youngsters to to respond, man. Now, don't get me wrong, he don't make punk, he don't make. Passes. He don't take shots, and he damn so don't defend. So those are the things that the players still have got to be responsible for, and I understand that. But Alvin, the fact that these guys and these are young guys, man, you couldn't you couldn't scare these youngsters into giving a better a better effort than what they showed in the bubble. You got to remember. Well, I think the only reason why they even went to this 22-team bubble shit like any and everybody else is to get Zion in. Well, they got Zion and the Pelicans in, and they didn't look like shit. They really didn't, man. They looked like a young team that was too young to be on the court with the grown men. That's what they looked like. And that, and to me, that's a indictment on, on, on Alvin Gentry to a certain degree. I got to put that on him to a certain degree because we got to find out what our identity is and what is the identity of the Pelicans besides running and gunning. I mean, their best player right now, you know, as far as the numbers, is Brandon Ingram. And isn't they gonna made an all-star team this year? You can't tell him shit now. And... For as much as he want to have control of the ball, he don't make other team. He don't make nobody else really better with him having the ball. The ball should truly, <clears throat> truly just stay in Drew Holiday's hand. And I truly believe that Drew Holiday should be the alpha male on that team. But he quiet. I don't know if a quiet guy can really be your your best leader. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they can't. Well, it's been a it's few in between now. Uh, when we're talking about youngsters, young young kids, whatever, a quiet guy to a certain degree can be, you know, your pelican. You know what I mean, it can be your Pendleton, to where you know everything lies, it it rises and it falls by, you know, the his approach to the game, and his approach to the game brings everybody else's approach to the game to the same level that he has. Now, I know I fucked up on the word pendulum. Don't y'all fuck with me about that. But anyway, you understand what I'm saying to a certain degree. All right. So, when I'm looking at this young team, this Pelicans team, when I'm looking at Brandon Ingram, who, to me, hasn't showed that he's been a, a leader n- nowhere that he's been. He wasn't even the leader in college on his Duke team. You know what I'm saying? And now he do went to the Lakers. He, he wasn't no leader there. And now all of a sudden he thrust it into supposed to be the leadership role for the Pelicans. He's not ready for that role. That job is over his head right now. And I believe that because he showed the most talent, a lot of guys, you know what I'm saying, deferred to him as, okay, he's the most talented guy, so he should, should be the leader. He should be this. No, he shouldn't. Those should continue to keep on fucking learning how to be a leader, how to learn how to win something, because right now he look like he ain't going to be nothing but a, 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 a motherfucking running gun all-star, for whatever the fuck that's worth and then when I look at Big Zion I like Big Z I like Big Z a lot, and I do think that he has a chance to be a different style of a future player that we're going to be looking at Zion too motherfucking heavy though, man Dude way too motherfucking heavy, man. He way too motherfucking heavy, and he's so young. That his metabolism built at a so, at such a high a high level, man that I'm pretty much believing whatever he if he eat a piece of bread, it's going to end up in uh, uh, on one of them sides or on his curbs or something. <clears throat> it's to the point where dude might have to go vegan and some shit. Dude way too motherfucking weigh But he is so motherfucking cold, though. Dude averaged a point a minute for this team, man. A point a minute. And his talent is the alpha talent on that team. Not Brandon Ingram. Zion. But Zion, I was disappointed in his effort this year on the defensive side all season long. I seen effort that Duke. That's what really made me think, okay, he ain't gonna be just another another gunner. You know what I'm saying? We don't seen some talented kids as gunners, but guess what? Gunners get lost to a certain degree in the NBA. Because everybody, I mean not everybody, but the majority of the motherfuckers you playing with are gunners or ex-gunners. So what else you gonna bring to the table that's gonna do that's gonna separate you? Well I seen Zion brought defense and rebounding as something else that he can use to separate, you know what I'm saying, how you looked at him. Man, his rebound numbers were horrible, man. And the bubble, he had a couple of games, he had one game where he only had, had no fucking rebounds in another game, I think he only had four or some shit like that. There's no doubt, man, that when Zion touches the court, he like the Montrez Herald. you know what I'm saying? He supposed to be the Montrez Herald for the motherfucking Pelicans. That means he his effort on the glass got has to be there. Effort on the glass was horrible this year, and I I kind of fought Alvin on that too. I mean, you cannot have a kid that you scared to. I mean, you can't have a player period that you scared to say something to and you the coach. It's just I mean, it's over with. If you if you can't say something to this, and he's a rookie, you can't say something to this young motherfucker right here that hey man, you need to start rebounding on. Or well, I'm gonna take your time away, or hey man, you better come in and give me motherfucker, more time, more minutes on the clock, uh, uh, on the court, man. And that means what you're doing off the court has to start counting. If you can't put him in those type of situations as a rookie to make him, you know, at least fear that the that you have something that he wants, which is playing time, can be taken away from him. If you don't even have that as a, a bargaining chip to deal with this guy, you don't have nothing. The Pelicans was super disappointed, man. I super disappointed at them, man. And they don't already day uh Alvin Gentry, so we're gonna see who the new guy that they bring in. But the new guy better be able to say something to Zion, man, because if he can't say something, and that's not saying that Zion no bad kid, because you can just list look at a dude carries himself and when he talks, dude ain't no guy that I think he'd even give you a lot of back talk or nothing if you were to challenge him but I think it's time somebody challenged him. to get better because right now he's good. If he get challenged in the right way, he could become great. And I think he has the potential to be great. Uh, another disappointing team in there was the uh the Kings, Sacramento. They already got rid of Vladi Deva. I think they dis- they they uh overpaid for motherfucking uh uh Luke Walton. So I don't. I think as bad as they probably want to get rid of Luke, I, you you tied into what a three four year deal with him, I and mean, this is year one. So I don't think I think you got to come back with him one more year to give it one more try just to kind of justify the money that you on already that you're paying him. Because <clears throat> do you really want to pay him for three years not to coach and then have to go out and get a coach? So. I think the Kings kind of in that situation, man, but I'm I'm feeling sorry for De'Aaron Fox, man. I'm feeling sorry for De'Aaron Fox, man, because one of the reasons why I'm feeling sorry for him is because Marvin Bagley, man, you see some talent in this Marvin Bagley, kid. He can't stay healthy. He can't stay healthy. He cannot stay on the fucking court to save his life, man. And that's killing De'Aaron, man. And now everybody looking at Buddy Hill and guess what? Pelicans, but this is what, but, I mean, uh, uh, Kings, this is what Buddy Hill was when he got drafted. He's a chucker. And one thing about chuckers, when the motherfuckers is knocking them down, you know, they're the kid of the day. They Presidente, they all of that old shit. But when they missing them damn shots, man, they don't look like shit, man, because now, what else can you do? You know what I mean? And... But he ain't even when he was at Oklahoma, he really wasn't no assist, man. He wasn't no defender. He wasn't no, you know, for the size that he got with his body, you would think that it would be a better or a halfway decent rebound, especially when I'm looking at Patrick Beverly, <coughs> a guy that he's bigger than, and, and just with his effort and activity, he trips over rebounds. Buddy Hill can't find a rebound. You know, so I'm looking at that. Looking at some of the other picks that they have made, man. And De'Aaron over there fucked up, man. Outside of Brian Yanovich, uh, boy, that they got they talent over there ain't as the strong as what motherfuckers thought, man. And I'm kind of disappointed in my man Harrison Barnes because I thought Harrison would give them, you know, uh, uh, a championship medal, a championship mentality. You know, seeing that he had played with the Warriors, not only that, but he also came up with the Warriors when they were sore. When Mark Jackson was formulating that team, Harrison was one of the guys he was formulating that team with. So I thought all of that would be able to, you know, translate to helping out this younger uh, younger, uh, team here at the Kings, and it just don't look like shit, man. They don't look like shit, man. They don't look like shit. And then another team, man, probably the last team that bothered me probably the most was the Grizzlies, man. Because I like Ja. Now take that back. I don't like Ja. I fucking love Ja. Fucking love Ja. I wish my Knicks could give give everyone them damn little punk-ass picks we just got the last year and the last couple of years. I wish we could give them all to the Memphis for Ja right now. Just for him. He's what you looking for, man, when you're guys that really love the NBA and love to watch the game and love to see guys compete. <clears throat> you, you you love to watch Jaw play. You love to watch Brandon Clark play. The young boy from Gonzaga. You love uh uh you love to watch the boy from uh Dylan Brooks. You love to watch them play, man. You love to watch uh Jaron Jackson Jr. play. They they in position. They're in the position that the Kings wish that they were in. The Pelicans wish that they were in. They got the, They got a good, beautiful nucleus up there, you know what I'm saying, running with Ja. Slow-mo out there looking like he's still holding it down. You know? They don't need much of anything. Maybe a couple good, more quality suitors. Grayson Allen even showed up. And Grayson Allen going to be a ball player in this league, y'all. Don't sleep. Grayson Allen going to be a ball player. This Grizzly team is ready to roll. Man, why did they look so fucking young in the bubble all eight games, man? They looked so fucking young in all these games. Even the games that they, the one game that they won, you know, to stave off uh, the Suns so they can play in that 8-9 play-in game. And they played their ass off in the 8-9 playoff game. But, towards the end of the game, you could see the U kick in and where Dame, CJ, and Mello was able to hit the gas on them. They just so fucking young, man. And they surprised everybody by what they was able to do this year. Now, what makes me disappointed in them is there's no... Man, if y'all, if y'all win three out of five, y'all would have remained the number eight AFC and then the uh, the Blazers would have had to beat them twice. Well, I think they go one and seven out the whole fucking bubble and they end up losing their, they had a, what, a three or four game lead. They lose their lead and now they have to, goddamn now the roles are reversed where they got to beat the Blazers twice to get in. And you know that shit wasn't happening. They ain't wasn't about to let that shit happen. So, I'm disappointed in the Grizzlies. I like their coaching, though. Out of all these other group teams that I've been talking about, you've been noticed. I've been real quick to maybe throw a little lightweight jab at their coach. I can't throw that same jab at the Grizzlies coach. Dude, on did a hell of a fucking job, and this is a, a damn good ass team. So, uh, I'm looking forward for them to be a much, much better team going into the 2021 season next year. I mean, here in a couple months. The teams that, that most impressed me uh, were five teams. Uh, I was super highly impressed with the Phoenix Suns. The book, man, oh my Lord. If, if 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 the New York Knicks don't do, I mean, Leon Rose, this book is your man. Please find a way to get him to New York City. Please, I'm begging you. Man, Booker's so much the goddamn truth, man. I watched him destroy Paul George and goddamn Kawhi Leonard, man. And anybody else in this bubble, man. Devin Booker was by far the destructor. But, man, you end up getting uh, Cameron Payne. Motherfuckers thought the only thing Cam Payne was, uh, Cameron Payne was good for was over there dancing with Russell Westbrook and shit. In the huddles and shit. Doing all those you know, new dances and all that bullshit. <clears throat> now, Cam's a ball player, and he showed up like as a hell of a, a quality ball player to back up Rubio. Uh, you got to remember, man, this team go 8-0, and they had two important parts, uh, the Bang kid and, and Kelly Oubre. And Oubre, they second best talented player. They They, they wasn't there. So, I mean, what I'm seeing in the and these Suns, and I love Monty Williams. Anybody know I was screaming for Monty Williams to become the coach before we even picked up Hornet check for the Knicks and <clears throat> these other couple of uh, casts that we went through. I've been screaming Monty Williams. Right after Mark Jackson, to me, it's always been Monty Williams. And now you're getting a chance to see what a good coach can do with a good young team. So I'm very impressed with what Monty was able to do with the Suns. Uh the Nets. I'm super high high key loving what these Nets um did. Now don't get me wrong, I truly believe next year your boy Kyrie and his, his the way that they're gonna be able to ask to play the game next year, Kyrie and uh KD when they step in. <clears throat> I don't think the way that the uh New Jersey's playing now will be the way that they are able to play next year or whatever. But they showing you right now that they got nuts. They got nuts. This Nets team, man, I, they went 5-3 and three in this bubble, man. And before the bubble even started, man, you thought outside of maybe the Washington Wizards, man, that the Nets was probably the worst team. And they were already locked in into a playoff spot. Karis LeVert don't get down like that. Go blue. You know, Michigan, man, wasn't having it. Wasn't having it. And I'm telling anybody that's willing to listen right now, if the Nets don't find a way to keep Caris LeVert, they only gonna get so far. Because I'm telling you right now, outside of KD, the second best player on the team with Kyrie on that team, the second best player on that team would be Karis LeVert next year playing alongside KD. And that's where the issue is gonna come in at cause Kyrie signed up to be, god damn it, one 1A or 1B. Well he signed up to be one B knowing that dude was going to be 1A, and he controls the ball. He controls the ball, and I just don't see there's no way he's going to give Karras an equal opportunity to show that he's a better ball player than him. And I think if you look at it between the defense, the fact that Karras, is, I mean, he, kid had 11 assists the other day in the game, and that's a game that they call they stopped trying to take him out. I mean, he's averaging down near 30. He's giving up about eight assists, and he's averaging about six or seven rebounds. And he's defending on the other end. To me, that's better than what you're going to get from Kyrie. Because what you're going, what's the main thing you're going to get from Kyrie? At max, you might get 32 a game from him. That's how cold he is. That's how cold Kyrie is. he give, he give you 32 a game. You ain't going to give him no more than maybe four assists. And that's four assists playing with Kevin Durant. I mean, he going to pass the ball to KD and get four, those four assists right there. How's he going to help Jared Allen? How's he going to help, you know, Karris Divert? How are going to help Special Dinwiddie and and all those other guys that's going to be on that team? You know, and Prince. How's he going to help that team? The next team going to have all the talent in the world, man. But they, the, the the mismatch parts that they're going to have is going to be right there at the head because that's a good grinding-ass team. That's the type of team a, a, a coach would love to have, one through eight of guys that nobody's super special, but everybody's fully committed. Everybody, Joe Harris, everybody's fully committed on this team. And I guarantee that shit won't look like none of that next year when Kyrie – becomes a full-time member of that team, and he's controlling and handling the ball. He's just not that type of guy. He's not that type of guy. He's going to make Kyrie look good, and he'll do some things that maybe help Kevin look good. And I'm not saying that he's going to just avoid the other teammates, but he's not going to look for them consistently enough to to allow them to sign. And I just believe that that's going to be your issue because he's your point guard. Uh, another team that really sold out in this motherfucking uh, in this uh bubble was the uh Blazers. I got to give it to Dame Dollar. Anybody's been listening to, if you listen to my very first pod, I know it's kind of it's kind of hard to listen to. It was it was the test run, but uh, you listen to me, and you can hear that I was right on that day saying that it's time for Dame to show show me a dollar. Because he, I, I see the talent, I see the talent. Well, bro, they literally brought you in to replace Brandon Roy, and Brandon Roy had that stuff that that Blazers team on a on a good roll before he ended up having to get retired. And I believe that that was one of the issues that Marcus Aldridge had initially with the Blazers when they were trying to just get a team to Dame. Then is because he's like he not Brandon Roy. And I was the second best player on this team, and now you saying that now I got the state almost maybe third best player. what you bringing in CJ now, so you don't to got a guy from Liberty, you don't to got a guy from my fucking uh uh Weber State as your backcourt. Now what am I supposed to do? So he wanted out because he had already seen that they changed that they, they had changed their outlook in play and with the Blazers. And a lot of that changing in the outlook was losing Brandon Roy. Anybody that think I'm tripping, go look at what Brandon Roy was to the motherfucking of the, uh, Portland Blazers before. He ended up having to retire. And I believe that next year or the year after that, maybe two years later, they end up with Dang. Check me out if you think I'm tripping. But uh, even with all of that, this Blazers team, man, having Melo, man, on this team is so much different, man. This team is so fucking far. They got all the power, far apart in the world. And having a, a real-life Hall of Famer like Melo over there in that corner to be able to throw that ball down to, and he can work his mid-range game any way he want to, to already knocking down spot-up threes. I'm going to tell you something, man. You know, I, my, I've really been real. Real down on Dame Dollar. I'm real I'm real damn down on Dame because I see all the talent, but I'm also seeing all the times that he getting swept in the playoffs. You know, the the only, the only motherfucking time Anthony Davis came out the playoffs with the Pelicans is when he, he sweep up on Dame and CJ. They get swept up last year without KD. I mean, uh, yeah, without KD, even in the motherfucking series. That was y'all time. I ain't say you had to win it, but you don't get swept. They got swept up. So and then and then they just hit down with some more money. I mean I, and this is nothing you know be you know pocket checking a motherfucker or whatever, but dude gonna be damn near five hundred thousand deep. I mean five hundred million deep with this team when it's all done and said. Yeah, you heard me, I said they're gonna have over four hundred thousand over four hundred million dollars. Fucking with the blazers, man, over four hundred million dollars, man, they just got them and gave me some new money, man, and the only thing I'm saying is that man, what you putting all that money into today and not able really to bring back maybe some other parts and maybe some other pieces that could make the team a little bit more whole, if you gonna do all of that, they ain't got to be worth that. Gotta be worked at it, and, and work that to me means that we don't get swept by nobody. <laughs> I ain't saying we beat everybody, but we don't get swept by nobody. And I seen I seen dollar get swept too many times, so that's what I'm questioning now about the dollar. I'm questioning that severely about his game and and his makeup. Hell, I would love Dane to come to New York City. I believe if Dane Dollar was in New York City, they would be talking about him right now as the best guard in the NBA. But since he's playing important, a lot of motherfuckers believe Kyrie better than him. And I don't buy none of those tickets. I, I think he 10 times colder than Kyrie. But Kyrie don't got a chance to show that shit when the money on the line, you can count on me. When the money on the line put me with another good ball playing the money on the line, you can count on me. Well, I'm counting CJ and Dane as probably the second best backcourt to Steph and Clay. I've seen Steph and Clay get their team to a certain level. I'm wondering when Dane and CJ gonna get their team to that certain level. And that certain level it means that you don't get sweat. Maybe I'm tripping. But I just don't believe you're supposed to end up getting swept by no motherfucking bot. So I'm going to be interested to see how that turned out, man. Another dominant team that I've been super impressed with is the Raptors. Dude, let me tell you something. The Raptors don't need Kawhi. They came out with a better season and with a better team uh, this year, team-wise, record-wise. And they never, none of this season looked like, man, we just, you know, we just here or... We're a good team but we lost our best player. You ain't sensed that at all with this team. Not one time. They literally came back from day one looking like we're the defending champs and you're going to have to beat us to win this championship and I believe that in a 7 game series that they could beat the Bucks. I believe that. I do. I do. I truly believe that. I believe that if the Raptors ended up in a fucking seven game series with the Bucks, that they'll fucking take them again this year. Without Kwai. Without Kwai. Pascal Siaka, man, if you sleeping on this kid, you can you might as well hit your motherfucking wake button up and wake up, man. This kid is a raw piece, man. This motherfucker, raw piece. And I didn't see it coming out of uh, when he was in school, man. I think he came from uh, SMU. I might be wrong, but I believe Siakam was an SMU boy. Uh, So, I mean, regardless of that, I do recall seeing him in college, man, a couple games or whatever and shit, and I didn't see this. I ain't going to lie to you. I looked at him like, okay, and we ain't got them another long African boy. Let's see how this turned out. No disrespect. I mean, I ain't trying to be disrespectful any kind of way. I'm just telling you how the fuck I seen this shit when I seen it. What I what I was thinking, Do way more than that. Dude, so much more than that. He's so 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 much more than that. Siakam a a, a a real motherfucker, man. And outside right now, outside of motherfucking uh, Giannis, you tell me. I mean, you tell me, do how do you really take Jason Tatum over Siakam? Do you really take? Jimmy Butler over Siakam, cause those are the some of the 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 few motherfuckers that's in the East that could even you know even have anything to say about who would be the the tier the top tier guys that's in that in the, in the East. A lot of people want to start it with Giannis and Joel Embiid and guys like that. All cool, fine and damn, but don't be surprised if I say, man, you can have all those guys to give me Pascal Siakam. This motherfucker defends. He is a relentless driver to the rap. And he got some Rasheed Wallace in him. That young motherfucker knocked down a three. And play some defense. I like this boy Siakam. I I am seeing some young Rashid in him. Some uh some, some Derek Coleman type shit in him. I like this guy. You know what I'm saying? So I'm digging him a lot. And then the last team that I was really impressed with, man, was the uh the Rockets, man. And before anybody, you know, everybody got their own opinions about the Rockets. My opinion about the Rockets is this. You are not going to win with no coach that don't give a fuck about defense. And you're not going to win just taking motherfucking threes. I just don't see it. And now I've been watching NBA basketball way too long. I've never seen that, that, that team, that style team, that type of team be crowned the champion. Never. But I will say this. It's going to be fun to watch, man, because this motherfucking Russell boy is a beast. Russell Rushbrook is so motherfucking, <clears throat> I mean, guys are so motherfucking scared of Russell, man, and his blow-by, man, that they give him so much space, man. But you're giving a guy space, that's a knockdown mid-range game, a mid-range jump shooter, man. And when Russell really rolling, Russell got that mid-range and that blow-by going, where he don't really need the three. And then you got James Harden, and I, I hate watching dude's game. I'm not going to lie to you. I hate watching this game. But this motherfucker, I will say this. For as down as I've always been on him, as far as his commitment on the other side of the, uh, the uh, court, as far as on the defense, dude D'ing dude, dude, up, man. Dude D'ing up. I watched him D' up. Your boy Giannis pretty strong in the uh, Milwaukee game that they played. And a couple other games, man, where he ain't doing what I what I think that Damian Lillard should do. Because Damn don't play no defense. Much as I love God, love for Damian, that's one of my issues with him. Don't play no defense. He plays a roamer. <laughs> well, he's just roaming around. He ain't locked into no man. And he ain't locked in to try to stop no drafts or nothing. He ain't going to take no charge or none of that shit. He's just roaming around. I don't like that. I ain't, I ain't no fan of that. But, man, dude. I'm telling you something, man. This Rockets team, man, and what James Harden went on the fact that he's trying to play some defense. Because you cannot play with this midget lineup that they playing without having some motherfucking dog in you when it comes down to the defense. And you got to dig teams out. You got to steal the ball from big men that think that they got layups on you because it's you down there. You got to have some nuts to be down there and playing the style that they playing. And dude starting to show me that he he got some nuts to play on the other side of the court, man. Because we always knew what he was willing to do on the offensive side. We never was really sure what he would do on the defensive side. <laughs> so, I'm really throwing it up with James Harden right now. Good to see what he's out there doing in the bubble. And uh, last thing we want to go by, I uh, want to shoot some names out. want to shoot some names out real quick. uh of some guys. Uh, that played well out there in the uh bubble so far. Uh Levert, Gary Trent Jr., LeBron James, Christopher Zing is playing well, Fred VanVleet definitely been balling. Dame been balling, averaging thirty-seven, Book averaging thirty-five and six, Harden averaging thirty-five, nine, and nine. TJ Warren averaged thirty-one, six, and two. Uh Kawhi 29, 5, and 4. Giannis uh averaged 28, 12, and 4. Luca averaged 30, 10, and 10. Michael Porter Jr. averaged 22, 9, and 2. And Jason Tatum averaged 22, 6 and 4. <clears throat> so we had those so those are the guys that really stood out. So thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.